Hi, this is KJ. Welcome to episode three of I'm 62 years old and don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I know I've talked about bad news and it just seems like 2020 is one of those years that's just going to be a constant roll of, of bad news and tough decisions. I'm not going to talk about the election. It's, a, it's the Thursday after the election. So I'm not going to talk about that because everybody has their opinion on the election and what's going to happen is going to happen. I'm going to talk more about what is going on right now with me. And I live in a house that I lovingly call the Swamp Queen and it's sitting in a wetlands. House is built in 1930 and it had been modified multiple times and over the course of the years the foundation has failed. So when I was going through the divorce we got an estimate that to repair the foundation was going to be about $80,000 and it wasn't going to be that big of a deal. So when we negotiated the divorce, you know, I got the principal residence and I had expected that I was going to be able to take the garage and build a little apartment above the garage because the city is encouraging people to build um, these detached accessory dwelling units. So they call them a day-do. Well, I don't like the word day-do, but uh, we call them, I'll call it a carriage house or I'll call it a laneway house because uh, I think that's a more attractive vernacular. So knowing I needed to replace the foundation and hope to be able to um, do the carriage house, I uh, went over right after I got the divorce. I went over to the bank and I wanted to get Dick Doodle's uh, name off of the mortgage. Well, come to find out there was also the mortgage, but he'd also taken out a $100,000 HELOC, which is home equity loan, which had gone into um, maturity. So what that means, it was 10 years old and you no longer could use that, but you had to pay it off at market rate and it has a adjustable rate uh, interest on it. So not on, on top of the mortgage payment, which is close to $1,700 a month, I now also have another $1,000 a month payment on a HELOC that I didn't know anything about. So I went to the bank and discussed with the banker and they came over to do an appraisal on the house to find out if it was even eligible you know to do what I needed to do well it wouldn't pass a refinancing because of the foundation they said the only thing that I'd have to be able to do then is to go into a construction loan and in order to get a construction loan you have to hire an architect you have to have it permitted and that put me down the rabbit hole of trying to get a construction permit through the city of Seattle I've spent over the past two years I started this project five years ago and I found out you know after the divorce this was one of the things that I had started you know within six months of 2016 trying to get his name off of the mortgage in the HELOC that uh, I needed to hire an architect get plans drawn up and get a cost estimate and go through all of that rigmarole you know the ballpark figure was going to be at a ha about a half million dollars for the whole project. So that left me to believe that I was going to be able to, you know, salvage the house that I'm in, the old Swamp Queen, and build the laneway house and have a little bit of source of income. Because I'm real close to one of the local um, institutions 
and real close to the new light rail station. So it's within walking distance. So both of it is an ideal situation for having, you know, an accessory unit with a little bit of extra cash and have, you know, a solid foundation and some storage in the basement. So I start down this path and here we are at the end of 2020. And I just got the estimate this week on how much it's going to be to the repair of the house. And it's one of those things that it's a number that I cannot even comprehend. Now Zillow says the house is worth $680,000, but they're calling it an average condition because there's no record of the failing foundation on any of the you know real estate records. The estimate to just raise the house, put in the new foundation, frame it, replace the siding, and do the site work, which means taking down a couple of trees, spreading it all out, you know, um, putting in drainage required to the city. The city's requiring these detention facilities on site and all of those kind of uh, issues is $688,000. That doesn't give me a accessory unit. That does not give me a finished space downstairs on the first floor. What the city, now I've got a six and a half foot basement. So the headroom downstairs is six and a half feet. And in order to have a legal dwelling space, it needs to be seven foot, uh, two inches. So the original plan going into all of this was to jack up the house about two feet, put in the new foundation where the existing foundation is, and then being able to finish it off and have, you know, a media room or another bedroom, uh, pet wash, those kind of areas, because it's about, about a 600 square foot area. But once we get through the city of Seattle, we were 90% through plans and specifications when the city decided that, no, you can't have anything below the high uh, water table. Unfortunately, the high water table in this neighborhood, since it is a wetlands and a peat impact area, is at the surface. So that means the house has to be jacked up eight feet and a whole new first floor put on. Well, like, I've had two knee replacements. So in order to get in the house now, I'd be living on the second floor of the house. The living room, the kitchen, everything would be on the second floor of the house and then be this new first floor of the house. Well, to finish that off into a living space, the first new first floor, is another $200,000. $200,000 to put in a bathroom, a kitchenette, sheetrock electrical plumbing, and finishes. I mean, that's insane. So now we're got we're up to eight hundred and ninety thousand dollars to jack up the house, put on the siding, do the drainage, and finish off the first floor. Got a second estimate for the carriage house. This would be a one and a half car garage, seven hundred square feet new construction, with a studio apartment above it, which would include you know a kitchenette, a washer dryer. Uh, uh, three-quarter bath, so it'd be just a shower, not even a tub, a living area, and a sleeping area. The estimate for that is $700,000. So if you're keeping score, nine hundred and seven hundred 
is $1.6 million on top of my existing mortgage of $250,000. So that would be an all-in investment on this property of close to $2 million and I end up with a 900 square foot house with a 900 square foot first floor and a 700 square foot accessory unit with a one and a half car garage in the city of Seattle. Now, when you think of a $2 million house, at least the way that I always thought of a $2 million house, is that you'd be looking at waterfront property or at least a view. Literally, I have a view of the street. I have a view of my neighbor's side yard. I have a view of his garage. I mean, we're not talking about anything special. The other thing is, is that architecturally, the house all of a sudden becomes a skinny house because the footprint is very small. You jack it up and all of a sudden you've got this tall, skinny house. Well, I'm 62 years old. I really, I've done three houses. I don't want to live through another round of construction. And so I put it on the market. And it's been on the market for two months and there's been no takers. Now, somebody could come in conceivably and with the plans, I mean, I'm selling it, the property, the house, and the permits, and I'd ask $650,000. Mind you, I've already put $60,000 into this permit set, and you're going to ask where I got $60,000 to get where I'm at. Well, let me take you back to the divorce trial. Uh... As they always say, you know, a fool represents himself. So Dick Doodle decided that he was going to represent himself. And the other thing that they say, divorce attorneys are expensive and they're worth every cent. And in my case, both of those, both of those cases are very true. He decided that he was going to represent himself and that he wanted a trial. And now, again, I explained probably previously is that we were just a lower middle class household. There was just the two of us. We had two older vehicles. We had the rental property. We had the principal residence. And we had, you know, a 26-foot boat. Nothing exotic there. Well, in his drug-addled mind, he, th he made a proposal to the judge was that, you know, since we got two houses and two cars, we'll just split it down the middle. And, of course, he wanted the more expensive truck which he did get and he wanted the the rental property now let me talk about a little bit about the rental property the rental property we purchased in 1988 and it was uh exterior architecturally a beautiful house but the interior was absolutely trashed it was a 1907 craftsman fortunately it still had all its windows it had its doors it had all of the exterior trim everything was still there the siding was there the little garage was there but internally they had just made a mess out of it they had lowered the ceilings they had put wallpaper they painted the wallpaper they had put paneling over the top of all of this and so when Dick Doodle um, had worked construction for 17 years and then he got laid off and we'd been saving money and we'd been living in the house for 12 years like that. Uh, he decided to go ahead and we made the decision that he'd stay home for a year and renovate the house. A year stretched into six years. It took him six years to completely renovate the house. But when it was done, it was done masterfully I, I won't i won't deny he was a really good craftsman when it came to 
doing construction. He knew what he was doing. There was not a square inch of that house that wasn't touched. And doing it yourself, it was okay. And since he, we were paying as you go, and he was doing it all himself, and there was, you know, everything from soup to nuts. We're talking painting, we're talking flooring, we're talking carpeting, we're just restoring floors, we're taking out old ceilings, we're putting in new ceilings, we're doing lead abatement, we're doing asbestos abatement. So, I mean, it really was a huge project. And since I was working full time, it really did not bother me him being home. So once we got the house done, it was he needed to go back to work. Well, he didn't want to go back to work. He didn't want to go back into commercial construction. And this was about 2006. And at that point, you know, the housing market was going bonkers. And we had like doubled our equity in the, the our house. And we decided to buy the house I'm living in now, which I lovingly call the Swamp Queen. And it was a fixer. There was no doubt about it. It was a fixer. It was virtually uninhabitable, even though there were renters in here at the time, but they were more squatters than renters. So we purchased this property using the equity out of the other house. And again, we were going on the pay-as-you-go and uh, he got, we got through the front porch. We got through repairing the siding. We got through putting architecturally correct windows in it we got through uh the bathroom we got through the first bedroom and then 2008 hit and uh seattle was on probably the ass end of the housing crash because we have a fairly robust economy at the time so they if you remember the housing crash started on the east coast and just sort of rolled across the country hit california and since washington's kind of the butthole of the united states it hit us less but when it hit it, it by that time it was like a tsunami and it hit it hard well we couldn't we hadn't been, had been making payments on the principal residence as well as you know the the fixer and he had taken out the sealock so I get the I get the news that you're, we're going to have to move into the unfinished house. This would have been this would have been house number two. We first built a house out in the rural area, a brand new little house and lived there for four years. And it was too far out of town. So uh, we moved back into the city and purchased um, the craftsman renovated the craftsman over the course of 20 years. So this would have been the first time in my life that I actually had a nice house. I grew up at a dump. My parents' house was a dump, absolutely a dump. It's a house that you couldn't even um, bring friends over. And then we lived in dumpy apartments. When we got married, we lived in dumpy apartments and saved money. And then we bought the, built the little house out in the rural area, which was a nice little house, but the neighbors were crazy and it was a really, really tough commute and it was, it was a horrible experience. So I was ready to sell that and move into town. So then we bought this dumpy fixer craftsman and took 20 years and renovated it. And finally it was done. And I was, I, I, my plan was they were going to take me out of that house feet first. I had no desire to ever move ever again. Well, I had given Dick Doodle, since I was 19 when I got married, he had a degree in economics. I 
can't add and subtract to save my life. Uh, don't ask me how my checking account is right now because uh, at any given time, I have no idea. I just know that there's some money in there and I just make sure it doesn't, doesn't go below. So giving he was six years older, had a degree in economics, he did finances really well. So he had complete control of the finances. And this would become my downfall later on. So when he tells me that we can no longer afford both houses, we couldn't sell the swamp crane because there was no kitchen in it at that point. We'd gotten to the point where there was no kitchen. You know, he was renovating it. There had been a couple of episodes. The house, um, the two houses are only a mile apart. So that way he could ride his bike up here or bring the truck up or pick up materials or whatever or take the bus or even walk if he had to. So it wasn't, we bought a house that was close enough that we could keep an eye on it and work on it at the same time. So one night I get a call from the police department um, that they had picked up Dick Doodle alongside of the road. Well, unbeknownst to me, he was sitting up here drinking and he drank a lot. Apparently he drank a half gallon of Jack Daniels and then tried to ride his bicycle home and he had run into a curb and had passed out alongside of the road. So I had to go get him. There was a significant argument. There was a significant fight. And at that point, he said that he wouldn't drink anymore and all of those kind of good things. And uh, we all know how that goes when you have somebody who is a functioning alcoholic. I didn't know he was drinking that much up here. He was he was up here by himself nine hours a day. And apparently he did a lot of drinking. I did not. You know, I was naive enough to think that he was actually, because he had done such a good job on the first two houses that I really had no concerns. But then again, being left to his own devices with me not providing any oversight at all. I never came up here. Um, he had free reign. And so he did a lot of drinking. So after that, uh, I get told that we're going to have to move into the unfinished house. And I really, really, really thought about leaving him at that time. Um, that was probably the, the first crack in the, the foundation of our relationship is that I felt so betrayed that there was no warning. There was no discussion. There was no nothing. It's just like, uh, you know, we're going to have to rent this house out and we're going to have to move into the other house and that's it. So we spent three months packing up and moved up here. And by that time, we at least gotten kitchen cabinets in and the appliances hadn't come yet. So once again, since I'd already been through one remodel of the kitchen, you know, you're into the crock pot, the coffee pot, the microwave and the electric fry pan. And that we survived on that again for another you know, several weeks until the kitchen got done. So over the next three or four years, he managed to finish off the main floor. So we got the bedroom and the second bedroom done. The staircase to the upstairs to the attic. Uh, there's a small library up here. And then there's another room that can be used as a bedroom. It can be used as an office. I'm using it as an office since I'm working from home. And it's a pretty comfortable little room. So all of this there'd been a lot of construction in the neighborhood. I mean, you know, there still were building a lot of um, condos 
I'm in a small pocket of single family houses that are surrounded by uh, commercial on one side, the college on the other, the freeway. But there's just this little enclave of single family homes that typically are highly desirable in, in the city. And it's in a very, uh, you know, it's commute friendly in the whole bit. So after moving in here, none of the furniture fits because this house is 970 square feet where the one that we moved out of was 1600 square feet. So you try to move, um, you know, into a space that's almost half the size of where you were before. So everything's crammed in, everything's cluttered. And uh, the idea was to finish off the basement. Well, in the middle of summer, the basement started flooding and Dick Doodle went downstairs and he needed to dig, you know, and investigate it why this thing is flooding. It started flooding in September and we were in the middle of a drought. So to, to this day, I don't know why this house floods. But once it started flooding, um, at any given time, there can be six inches of water in the basement. And it, it, so he dug a sump pump. And doing that, he had to break through the concrete slab that's in the basement. And uh, you're just back really bad. This was kind of um, step two on the downfall. And uh, just happened to be, you know, it was September. And then there was a retiree party down at the, the labor hall. And he went to and, you know, talked to people he used to work with. And they were all on medical marijuana. And since he had been a pothead in college, he thought this would be a really, really good idea. So he started uh, down that path of medical marijuana. And the first year it went pretty well. Second year, he added the drinking to it. And the combination of the marijuana and the drinking got to be too much. And I started going to therapy because he flatly refused to go. Oh, I started going by myself. We tried to find a couples counselor and he actually deep six two of them by insulting them and telling, you know, he literally insulted these people to their face to the point where they kicked us out. Well, I persisted until I finally got him to agree, but not knowing that he had already filed for divorce by the time he agreed to go to a couples counseling. Well, so that leaves me to when we went to the divorce trial and he proposes that he gets to keep the, the rental house since that was his business and his source of income and the truck. Well, and then I get the, the fixture, the principal residence and the older explorer since I got my retirement account. Fortunately, the judge saw right through him and um, I'll go into what business he was doing on in another episode because that's, another story in itself, but him and his girlfriend. So I end up having to sell the, the rental house and out of the proceeds from the rental house is what I've been using to quote unquote, fix up this house. And, you know, I got $160,000. So I've spent 60,000 of that so far just to get to the permit stage. So I still have a hundred thousand. And I said the last, month alone I had to buy a new hot water heater and I had to buy a new dishwasher and they were six thousand dollars so on top of the mortgage on top of the HELOC on top of the two thousand dollar payment to get the permit on top of the dishwasher I mean I think I put ten thousand dollars into this house last month and that's all coming right out of that account so as that account dwindles it's scaring the hell out of me to see that money 
dwindle away. And I'm sitting here with a $1.6 million bill to fix the house. Uh, compounding that is since he did let part of the divorce uh, order was that he was to continue making payments on the mortgage payment on the on the rental house, you know, the craftsman, and he didn't. He let it go into default, so that means there was it went into foreclosure. So when I had to sell the property, we had four weeks to sell the property. Fortunately, it was a hot housing market, and I probably lost maybe twenty thousand dollars at that point because it was such a forced sale. I had to take the first best offer that I could get, and we did, and we sold it. And um, I'm crying over that to this day because it was like cutting off my arm. I put so much work into that house. So here I am sitting with a $1.6 million bill. I have a crappy credit rating. I have less than $90,000 left in the bank that was going towards this house. I was supposed to fix the foundation and I don't, and I can't sell it. Uh, Everybody asked me why I don't get a roommate, and I said like, I wouldn't subject somebody else to living in this house because it won't survive an earthquake when they looked at the way that it's sitting on its existing foundation. The existing foundation is failing, and so in an earthquake, we know it would crumble. There's also with six inches of water being in the basement for four years now, five years, maybe closer to six years now. Um, there's a significant amount of mold in the, in the house. So I have to keep fans in the windows and I have to keep the bathroom fan going and the kitchen fan going year round just to keep the ventilation moving because the smell in the basement is horrendous. Unfortunately, that's where the laundry is. So I've got two knee replacements and I've got a and I had rotator cuff surgery done at the end of August, so I have to drag laundry up and down two flights of stairs. And when we get done, if we build this house, I'll add a third flight of stairs. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really don't know what I'm going to do. Um, the excavator's coming out on Tuesday, and they're going to do measurements to see if they can um, sharpen their pencil on on this. Then they're, I'm going to get a plan set, and I'm going to get a hard estimate with different alternates. And then I'm going to go to the bank. And I did this when I went to the bank preliminarily. They said that I could get about $800,000 total. That would include the current mortgage. So if you clip off the current mortgage, that leaves me with about $550,000. So somehow we have to take that $688,000 estimate and bring it down by $100,000 because I'm not tapping into that $90,000. That's the reserve because something's going to go. I mean, to tell you the truth, we don't know why this house floods. So when they jack it up, I've got a theory that there's a broken main someplace because the year that it started flooding, it was a drought and it's in a peat impact area. And the two things that I have heard is that one is that there, there's a lot of underground creeks, so it could be that a creek rerouted and is not going through the property. Uh, the sump pump that Dick Doodle installed actually pumps about two gallons of water an hour out of here year-round, plus whatever groundwater comes in. The other thing is, is that 
this used to be this area used to be an old resort and i've seen pictures where they had all these little cabins and shit you know built over here so the and i know my neighbor has found like spaghetti lines in his backyard and he, we don't know where they go to so there's a good chance that there could be like an uncapped or water main since it's so consistent that the water is so consistent so who knows what's going to happen when they actually cut the trees down lift up the house excavate it we're gonna have to fill in that whole six foot basement build the house an, an eight foot tall new first floor and a foundation and set the old 1930s house back down on top of that yeah that's a lot i mean that's a lot of work but that's the bulk of the expense and and absolutely absolutely but why in the hell i mean I can go five minutes north of here and I can buy a 1984 Rambler, three bedroom, two bath with contractor grade uh, stuff. And I could go in and I would take that $100,000 and throw in new countertops and throw in new appliances and have a nice house that I don't have any stairs and a big backyard and the dogs could run and all that kind of shit. And I could actually then go buy another boat and I could moor it down the street and my life would be what I want instead of what I'm looking at. So uh, if you've got any ideas, again, um, if anybody wants a project, email me at S-K-Y-E-R-K-A-Y-J-A-Y-1958 at yahoo.com. And um, we'll talk again next week. I can finish the story. I'll, have, I'll know what the, what the um, excavator has to say. So this is KJ signing off. And uh, look forward to talking next week. Again, I'm sure there will be something interesting. And uh, y'all have a, a good week.